This year is a uh, is a mixture of ideas from different places, including the Argadal Yo, the Babacher Rebbe, and the Shvile Pinchas. There's a lot of different very beautiful ideas, just to to give us a little bit of a sense of what we're meant to be doing on Purim. And sometimes I feel like some Yomim Tovim naturally gravitate towards men and some Yomim Tovim naturally gravitate towards women and it's not always fair. Like uh, maybe pre-Pesach gravitates towards women, <laughs> maybe Pesach gravitates towards men, you know. It's, it's, not, it's not always fair. Um, but Purim seems to be one of those male-dominated Yomim Tovim, no? My daughters now are very frum. So they've, they've announced that they're not really dressing up anymore. Even though, when I was a bacher, my rabbitson, who was in her 70s at the time, she dressed up. But I don't know, maybe we're, uh, maybe we're frimmer today than, than we were 20-something years ago. But it, it is an interesting thing to see how it's become a yomtiv for men, and it's the men drinking, and, and the men like having this sort of inebriated suda, and maybe that's not always the most pleasant thing, and... Sometimes, uh, sometimes you see that there are wives and, and mothers who are spending their time taking care of their inebriated loved ones. So what exactly for us can we do to prepare for Purim? It's Gemara and Megillah. The Gemara and Megillah says, Chayiv inish libesume bepurya adlo yada ben arhaman l'barach Mordechai. Person is obligated to drink on Purim until they cannot differentiate between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. So, two questions before we get to the continuation of the Gemara. The first question is this does not sound like a very Jewish, it doesn't sound like a very Jewish thing. For a Jew to get drunk, to the extent that they can't tell the difference between the biggest tzaddik in the world and the biggest rasha in the world, that doesn't sound like Yiddishkeit. In the, one of the old Yiddish aphorisms is, shikr is a guy. To be drunk, it's a, it's a guyish thing to do. It's, it's, you see big tzaddikim getting drunk. So what is this, what's this idea that not only should we get drunk, but we shouldn't be able to tell the difference between the biggest rasha in the world and the biggest tzaddik in the world? What in the world does this mean? The second question, to be Malamid Skos. You know, there's a shita, it's not so popular today with the Yeshiva Bachrim, but there's a shita that you can drink a little bit and go to sleep, and in the Zman that you're sleeping, you won't know the difference between Ar Haman and Borach Mordechai. So it's like every Shul Rav gets up and he says, You know, there's a shita, and all the Yeshiva Bachrim are going, What are you doing? You know, Rabbi, come on. Yeah, this, is our, this is our time to have a good time. Why would, you, why would you rain on our parade? But it's a funny thing. This Gemara says, It sounds like a person is meant to drink excessively. It seems to be like a funny little loophole almost. So what is the inner idea behind this psaq? That a person could go to sleep on Purim and be yotze the mitzvah of not being drunk, but drinking enough to get to that state. Those are the two questions we have on the beginning of Umar. Now where does this shita come from? Perhaps it comes from the Hemshech of the Gemara. The Gemara tells a story. Maybe you've heard this story before. If you haven't, it's an amazing story. 
The Gemara tells a story of a Purim Suda, perhaps at a table just like this one. And who were the two sages that were at this Purim Suda? It was none other than Rabbah and Rav Zeyra. Rabbah and Rav Zeyra were at the Purim Suda together. And they became inebriated. Come Rabbah, Rabbah got up, the shechted Rav Zeyra, and he shechted Rav Zeyra. He killed him. A deadly Purim Suda, if there ever was one. And then, Rabbah davened, and Tchiyas HaMesim occurred, and Rav Zeyra got up. The next year, the Gemara says, Rabbah goes back to Rav Zeyra, and he says, you want to do Purim Suda again? <laughs> so Rav Zeyra said, we can't rely on a miracle every time. <laughs> so there's three questions that we have to ask on this Gemara. Could it be that the great Tzaddik, Rabbah, killed a person? Could that possibly be? That in his drunken state, that a, imagine Rav Chaim Kanievsky in the drunken state, he gets up and he shechts, he shechts another tzaddik at the table? Could we imagine such a thing? And this is very serious, Shita. This is, this is actually a, a, a Gemara that's brought lahalacha. So it seems that this was a real story. So what does it mean? Come Rabbah v'shach de'lir of Zeyra. Even the word shechita here is very interesting, no? Kam rabbah v'harag rav zeira. Kam rabbah v'kalalir rav zeira. Right? That would have been the appropriate way to say it. What does it mean that he shechted him? He's not an animal. Second question. You know, um, I don't know how many Purim Sudhas you've had when you're married, but uh, there are certain events that happen at Purim Sudhas that when they happen... Usually the wives or the husbands go, next year maybe we'll do Purim with somebody else. <laughs> like we had once a, a Purim guest that they came late to the party a little bit, so they felt they needed to catch up. But this particular guest is not a, he's not a big drinker, Baruch Hashem, and so he got drunk very quickly, and because he drank very quickly, he passed out very quickly, and he passed out on my floor. And uh, he would wake up from time to time, well after the Suda was over, but he was immobile. And he would wake up, and he would roll over, and he would throw up all over my floor, all over my pillow that was next to him, that he was sleeping on. And then he would go back to sleep. Uh, 45 minutes later, he would wake up, and he would do it again. Not exactly a Purim guest that you want to have over every year. And if he wasn't a family member, I probably wouldn't. But since he's a family <laughs> member, we have him over every year. Can you imagine... That Rabbah comes back to Rezera after killing him the previous year and says, "Want to put him together again?" <laughs> not exactly, a, not exactly a, a normal invitation. That's question number two. And question number three is Rezera's response is a very strange response. No. If I was Rezera, what would you have responded? Uh, no, <laughs> no, thank you. Rezera has a very strange response. He goes, "We can't rely on a miracle." We can't rely on a miracle that there'll be Tchiyas HaMesim again. As if to say, if we do have Purim Suda again, you'll probably kill me again. And if you kill me again, maybe this time it'll stick. If we would be able to say that we have Tchiyas HaMesim every single time, then Echanami, I would come. What do you mean you would come? He killed you. What are you talking about? What's going on over here? So the Gemara doesn't seem to make a tremendous amount of sense. So let's try to understand what the Gemara here could possibly mean. But in order to understand this Gemara, we need to take a step back. There's a wonderful, beautiful Yesod in Yiddishkeit. It's Ashkafa. 
Nashkafa is as follows. We exist only because of the absence of godliness in our lives. If we would be in a state where HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence would be obvious to us, then it would not be possible for us to exist. Bechira, for example, right, the ability to choose is an expression of our existence. Bechira is only possible because it's not clear to us what the truth is. When something is clear to us what the truth is, we don't have any Bechira. For example, if I told you right now to take a knife and stab me, you couldn't do it. A psychologically healthy person could not stab another person for no reason. They don't have the Bechira to do it. Because the truth is so obvious. And if a person was capable of doing that, we have a social worker here, what would we call a person who is capable of stabbing another person for absolutely no reason? Murderers, sociopath, right? They clearly have some issues. I know it's a safe space for everybody here. You're allowed to be a murderer. Here you're allowed to feel whatever you'd like to feel. This is a safe place. We have unconditional positive regard. It's Carl Rogers 101. We try to give every client the space to be who they are, even if you're a murderer. Right? It's a, it's a very, very wonderful field that you work in. Yeah? Um, I had a, a bacher once in Shir, not in yeshiva, but in a shir that I was giving, that I made this point, and he goes, no, I could do it, I could stab you. I said, you couldn't. He said, I could. I said, you could not stab me. So he's like, no, I really could. I said, here's a pencil. Go ahead, right now, stab me, right in the jugular. And he did. And I was like, did you really just do that? And then every kid in the shir, there's like 45 kids in the shir, they went berserk on him. They were like, did you really just stab Ruf Berg? And he was so embarrassed, he ran out. And he didn't come back to share for a couple of days. So I said, I found him. I said, you know, it's okay. You could come back to share. He goes, I felt so exceptionally stupid. But he also said it brought up something like huge for him. Like, I was capable of stabbing you. Like, that's a crazy thing. I was like, yeah, you, you should seek help. You need like a team of people to help you. So it's the absence of the truth that allows us to exist. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence was clear and obvious, none of us could exist. Why can't we exist in a world where Hashem's obvious? Because like, there's too many issues that That's going to be the Chiddush. The Chiddush of Olam Abba is going to be that somehow, paradoxically, we don't understand this, that somehow we're going to be able to exist in a state that shouldn't be. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence will, will be obvious and will still be that way. But as currently constructed in this world, it's impossible. To give you an example. Three examples. The first example we all know. Is Matan Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu came, He gave the first two Dibros, and what happened? Everyone died. Right? Everyone died, there was a Tchiyas HaMesim. What did Kal Yisrael say? Maybe the next ones we want through Moshe Rabbeinu. It's hard to keep dying like this. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence is so obvious in our life, so then existence, at least existence as we know it, in the physical form, it ceases to be able to exist. Because the physical existence is the lie. Right? All of this is just an expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Can I ask a random question? You can ask a random question. Sure. Um, I mean, because like, I think it's all said it, like, they didn't want to keep on going like, back to, you know, like, keep on dying. I feel like they would really want to because they died because they wanted to be close to Hashem. Mm-hmm. So why didn't they just, why did they stop? It's a very good question. I'll tell you, it's probably going to take us too far afield, but it is an excellent mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Another example where we see that when a person is totally connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they cease to exist, is Nadav Aviyu. 
It's very similar to the Purim story because we know that Nadav and Aviyu, they came in to the Mishkan and they were inebriated, they were drunk, and they were maktir ketiris, right? They brought the ketiris, and they died. So most Mepharshim explain that this is a bad thing, right? They did a bad thing. But the Arachayim HaKadosh says, no, it was an unbelievable thing that they did. They were drunk, they became at a very high level, which we'll speak about later, it'll make a little bit more sense how somebody can become at such a high level when they get drunk. They were makter ketiris, ketiris from Elashon of Kesher, of Hirsch says. They, they created the ultimate relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Arachayim explains that they died with what's called misas neshika, a kiss of death. Meaning they were so close to Hashem that they simply ceased to exist. And it's actually because of Nadav and Aviyu, the, I think it's brought down in Zayar, the Zayar Ariza brings down, it's brought down in the Zayar, that it's because of Nadav and Aviyu that the Kayin Gadol has the capacity to go into the Kaidash HaKadoshim on Yom Kippur. This was such an unbelievable hiskashus to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that they created. In fact, even the words Anna Hashem, Anna is Eliyahu Nadav and Aviyu. Because it's all those people that they simply ceased out of existence because they became so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And finally, there's an amazing, amazing vart. I believe it's from the Geri Rebbe. The Geri Rebbe says as follows. We all know the story of Ravakiva. Ravakiva was being killed by the Romans. They were peeling the skin off of his body, the flesh off of his body, with hot iron combs. And he was being makabal on himself, and the Talmidim came to him and they said, Rebbe, even now, even now while you're in the middle of being tortured, so Rav Akiva said, what do you mean? Every single day when I say Kriyashma, I say, that if somebody would come and they would put a gun to my head and they would say, worship idols or die, I would happily die. And now that I have the opportunity to die Al-Kiddush Hashem, I shouldn't do so? And then the Gemara says, Rav Akiva said, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. He was Mayrech Be'echad. He elongated the word Echad. And then his soul died. So the simple explanation is, what killed Rav Akiva? It was the Romans. They peeled the skin right off of him and he died, right? Says the Ger Rebbe, read, read, read the Gemara very carefully. But in order to understand this Gemara, you need to know Halacha. Let's say somebody comes and they put a gun to your head and they say, Bimachal Shabbos. Privately, let's say. What's the halacha? Mechal Shabbos. Why? Because the Pasuk says, And you shall live by that. So there's only three exceptions, the three Gimel Chamuros, the three most serious Averis of Gilei Arayas, Shri Chastam, and Abayi that we're di- we would die al Kiddush Hashem. But in general, it says, does not just mean that you should live and not die, but it means as follows. A mitzvah, when done with the appropriate kavanah, should really kill you. Because a mitzvah brings you so close to Hashem that you should cease to exist. But the Torah says, There's life in the mitzvah, so that the mitzvah that should kill you, paradoxically, ends up giving you more life. With that in mind, listen now once again, says the Ger Rebbe, listen once again to the story of Rav Akiva. Rivakiva is having his skin combed off by the Romans. He's being tortured. Yeah? It's a Shas Hashmad. He has the opportunity to die Al Kiddush Hashem. He's been being Mekabal on himself all Malchus Shamayim. The Talmudim come over to him and say, Rebbe, even now? He says, What do you mean? 
every day when I say Kriyashma, I say the words Bechol Nafshecha, and I'm so close to Hashem that I should die. I feel not My soul should merely fly out of my body. That's how close I am to Hashem every single day when I say Kriyashma. Except why don't I die? Because the Pasuk says Vechai Bahem, the Kriyashma that should kill me gives me life. But now that I'm in a situation where I have the opportunity to die, Al Kiddush Hashem, there is no Vechai Bahem anymore. Therefore, the mitzvah of Kriyashma can kill me. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. He's Meirich Be'echad. He elongates the word Echad means he attaches himself absolutely to the oneness of Hashem. The Yatsa And then his soul expires. Says the Gary Rebbe, what killed Rav Akiva? Not the hot iron combs of the, of the Romans. It was Kriyashma. He died with the same Misas Nashika of Nadav and Aviyu. The same way Klal Yisrael, when they became so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu by Arsinai, their souls merely left their bodies. With this in mind, we can now begin, now that we have this Yisod, we can now begin to explain a very, very deep idea in Megillus Esther. We know that Haman comes home to his wife. He's very frustrated with Mordechai. And listen what the Pasuk says. Who's, who gives this Eitzah to Haman? His wife and all of his beloved friends, all the people that love him. They come to Haman and they say, we have an Eitzah for you. Make a tree, 50 amos tall. And in the morning, go to the Melech, go to Achashverosh, and say, hang Mordechai on this tree, on these gallows that we made that are 50 amos tall. What's this idea that they told him? Because, you know, these Rishon, they were very sophisticated, very spiritual Rishon. They understood all the inner workings of all the Koyches in the world. What's this idea that they say, make a tree that's 50 amos tall to hang Mordechai on? So the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah tells us as follows. There were Nun Share Bina. There were 50 gates of Bina that were put into the world. And Moshe Rabbeinu knew 49 of them. He knew 49, but not 50. He knew 49, but not 50. So listen what happens. We have on the one hand Nun Share Bina. 50 levels of understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 50 levels of Kedusha. But we know that everything in the world is created Whatever is on this side of the equation has to be on this side of the equation. So if we have 50 kaychas of Kedusha, if we have 50 Sharei Bina, what do we also have on this side? 50 kaychas of Tumah. 50 Sharei Tumah, yeah? So Moshe Rabbeinu, did he know the 50th level or not? The Gemara Rosh Hashanah says he didn't know it. But he wanted to know it. Says the Yaraz Dvash, Rav Yenison Ibishitz, he says as follows, Moshe Rabbeinu asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu to teach him the 50th level. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu wanted. Where do we see that? It's unbelievable. It's not in the Torah, but you have to read it. The Pasuk says, Moshe Rabbeinu says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please teach me your ways. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu say back to him? Nobody can see me and live. So what was Moshe Rabbeinu asking for? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, if you get to that level, you won't live anymore. He was asking to be on the 50th level. And says the Yaraz Vash, this is the word, Haydieni Na. What's the Na? What's the, what's the word please doing here? Na is Nun Oiris. 
He's saying, please teach me the 50 lights of Sharei Bino that I could reach the highest possible level, that I could be so close to you. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu say to him? But if you'll do that, if I'll give you that 50th level, what will happen to you, my Sharei You'll be so high that you'll die. At that point, you won't be able to lead Klal Yisrael anymore because you will die. So now, now we can start to understand Haman's cheshbon. Listen what the Aras Dvash says. It's unbelievable. Haman makes the following cheshbon. Maish Rabbeinu never got to the 50th level. Right? He never got to the 50th level. He only got to the 49th level. So I'm going to hang him on a tree that has all the koiches of Tumma in the world. That tree is a, is a sniff of the Eitz Hadas, by the way. He went back to, because Haman Arasha is connected to the Nachash, we don't have time to get into it, and he went back to the original Avera that destroyed the entire world, and he said, I'm going to build a tree that's going to have all the koiches of Tumma. How much? I'm going to go all the way to the 50th level. And now, Mordechai is going to be stuck. Because if Mordechai wants to fight me to the level of 50, what level does he have to be on on the side of Kedusha? He's going to have to be on the 50th level, right? But he can't be on the 50th level because nobody ever got to the 50th level before. He'll only be able to get to the 49th level of Shari Bina, and that's why Mordechai will end up dying on the tree because he won't have the capacity to overcome the Kaychas HaTumah. There'll be one Kaych of Tumah left and that will be the one that will kill Mordechai. But even if somehow Mordechai was able to get to the 50th level of Kedusha, to get to the Nun Shari Bina, he'll also die. Why? Because at that point, Kilo Yerani Adam Vachai. So do you hear what Haman, Arasha, what Haman Arasha did? This is what Zeresh and all of the Oyavav of Haman came up with. We have a foolproof way of making sure that you can kill Mordechai. Bring him down to the 50th level of Tumah. He'll have to fight it by getting to the 50th level of Kedusha. If he gets to the 50th level of Kedusha, he'll die. If he only gets to the 49th level of Kedusha, he'll die. That was the plan. Unbelievable plan. We don't understand this, the deep spirituality that goes on in this story. There's so many hidden things that are going on. The story is really all about getting to Nun Sharebina. So if that's the case, then how did, Mordechai, how did Mordechai win? How did Mordechai overcome these gallows that were made 50 amos tall and that ultimately Haman himself died on this? Where did, where did Mordechai get that kayak from? So there's a secret. There's a secret. The Gemara tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu never got to the 50th level. And that's true. But he did get to the 50th level Right before he died. Where do we see this? So the Arizal in Parshas Ve'eschan and Alpi Kabbalah, he reads the following Pasuk, right by uh, Moshe Abinu's death. What does it say? Vayal Moshe me'arvos Moav. And Moshe went up, he ascended from the plains of Moav. Where did he go? El Har Navo, to Mount Navo. That's where Moshe Abinu ended up uh, dying, yeah? So what's this... Moab and Navo place. And why does the Torah need to tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu went up from the plains of Moab to Har Navo? What's going on over here? So the Arizal says Moab is the Gematria 49. So Moshe Rabbeinu was on the plain, right? It was a flat surface of 49. Vaya'al Moshe, what was the process of Moshe Rabbeinu dying? What did he do? He went up from the 49th level and he finally got to the 50th level. 
Because that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu had told them all those years ago. He said, you won't be able to live once you get to the 50th level. So at the time that Moshe Rabbeinu was about to die, what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He took him into the 50th level. This is what killed Moshe Rabbeinu. It was his aliyah from, Har, from Moab to Har Nevo. What's the lashon of Nevo? Is Nun Bo, the Arizal says. Within that mountain was the secret of the 50th level of Shari Bina. With this in mind, we can understand that Mordechai HaTzadik has a, a, a little bit of Moshe Rabbeinu's soul inside of him. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu get to the 50th level? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that in the future, Amalek was going to use this tactic. They were going to bring the most Kaychas Atoma possible into the world in order to attack the biggest tzaddikim. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I'm going to get Moshe Rabbeinu at the very end of his life to the 50th level, so that there should be a Musig of a tzaddik who could go to the 50th level and not die. Remember, because that's what was needed to counterbalance the 50th level of Tumma. You need to have a tzaddik who could go to the 50th level of Kedusha and not die. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu brought into the world when he got to that 50th level at the very end. Mordechai, the Shvile Pinchas brings down, Mordechai, it could also be understood as Derech Yud Mem, Derech Yam. In other words, he was the way of the 50. Yam is, is the gematria of 50. So Mordechai had a special connection to the soul of Moshe Rabbeinu that Mordechai had the capacity to counterbalance because of his essence that he could counterbalance Haman. That Haman could go to the 50th level of Tumah but Mordechai could go to the 50th level of Kedusha and still survive. This was the secret that Mordechai had and that's why Mordechai was able to survive Haman. So now with this in mind let's go back to the Suda of Rabbah and Rav Zerah. On Purim, a Yid has the capacity to get to the highest level of understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and just like, like Milka said before, just like in Olam Haba, a person will be able to survive even with seeing the 50th level, even with being on such a high level, that's what we have on Purim. Because that's what Mordechai defeated Haman, so he gave us a little bit of an insight into the nature of redemption that exists on Purim. So there's two people at the table, Rabbah and Rezerah. And what does the word Rabbah mean? Rabbah means great. And what does Zaira mean? Zaira means small. So there's Rabbah and Zaira. Come Rabbah. What does it mean, come Rabbah? Rabbah got up. What does Shechita mean? So we said before that Shechita means to murder. Means like, uh, you know, to, what's it called? To, you know, to, to kill, like, uh, like you would do to a behemoth. But the Gemara in Chulin says that the real meaning of Shechita is umashach, to draw after. So come Rabbah, Rabbah went up. Where did Rabbah go? To the 50th level, because he was such a great tzaddik. He went up to the 50th level because he was drunk on Purim, just like Nadav and Aviyu. And he went beyond human comprehension. Human comprehension can only get us to the 49th level. But when a person loses their das, it doesn't mean that they lose their das underneath their das. It means they go above das. So Rabbah got drunk on Purim, Right? This is what the Marsha says. It doesn't mean the Marsha says that they drank until he became extensively sick, mamish until the point of death. 
What does that mean that they got so drunk? It doesn't mean drunk like like an animal, like one of these like uh, teenage kids who's like mom is just using it as an opportunity to smoke and to drink and to act like an animal. That's chas v'shalom what we're talking about. We're talking about the biggest tzaddik would get to such a high level that he mamish reached nun sharebino. He reached the highest possible level, the level that Moshe Rabbeinu reached at the time of his death. That Mordechai tzaddik brought into the world on Purim to say that you could reach that level and still survive. And the Shach Rav and then he's Mashach, he brings along with him Rav Zeira. But what's the problem? Rabba's the great tzaddik, so he can survive. But Rav is the small tzaddik, so he doesn't have the capacity to survive. So what happens? He dies. But we know that Purim is the Zman of Geula, which is the only Yamtif that after Geula we're still going to have this Yamtif. And what happens in the Zman of Geula? When a person gets to that level of they're so close to HaKadosh Baruch when they die, there's a Tchiyas HaMesa. So come Rabbah v'shachtel Rav Zeira, Rav Zeira dies, and then Rabbah davens and Rav Zeira gets up again. What a halig of Purim Suda. What an amazing Purim Suda. He reached the highest possible level. So the next year, what does Rabbah go back to Rav Zeira and he goes, do you want to do it again? Do you want to go to such a high level where we can mamish encounter Elokos? And Rav Zeira basically says, yes, of course, I would love to. There's only one problem. Who says that we're going to have a Purim that's going to have that level of Geula in it that's going to be able to have a Tchiyas HaMesim? But of course, Rav Zeira was intoxicated with the idea that he should be able to have a Purim again where he could reach such a high level that he could mamish understand the Kaddosh Baruch Hu. And this is why Mashiach, which is the Indian of Geula, Mashiach stands for Mashiach Yegala Shar Chamishim. And Mashiach will reveal the 50th, the 50th level. The Mashiach will reveal the 50th level of Shari Bina. And if you look in the Pesukim and Torah, it says the Geula of Mitzrayim, it speaks about the Geula of Mitzrayim 50 times. 50 times in the Torah. Why 50 times does it mention the Geula of Mitzrayim? Because it's Dafka Yitzias Mitzrayim, it's Dafka Geula. What happens in Geula? That we reveal the idea that a person could be higher than Das, yet so close to HaKadosh Baruch we can understand the idea of why there was a musag in halacha that a person should go to sleep. Right? Because sleep is shisha mimisa. When a person goes to sleep, they experience a little bit of death, and when they wake up, they experience a little bit of tchiyas amesim. So if a person goes to sleep on Purim, and they're no longer in the world of das, they've tasted a little bit of the world to come. So there's a limud sus for this, even though many, many in Kali Yisrael, more should follow this psak. Many teenagers should certainly be following this psaac, especially if they're not going to get drunk appropriately. You should know for many years I was very anti-Purim because I saw these teenagers getting drunk inappropriately. And I said to myself, could this be what the Rebbe Shalom wants? That 12-year-old boys are being carted away in Hatzalah ambulances? Is this bringing nachas to Hashem? Of course not. And then I said to a guy in the neighborhood, I was living in the five towns at the time, I said to a very chash of a guy, very chash of a who had been learning, he was in his 40s at the time, he had been learning in Kailal for over 20 years, so I said to him, could this be what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants? Nobody should be drinking on Purim. So he invited me to come to his kailo. He said, I agree with you, these kids should not be drinking, but I want you to come to my kailo and you'll see who should be drinking. So I went to his kailo on Purim. I wanted to see. I walked into the kailo and I saw this Avreich was under a table. So I went under the table. You know what I saw him doing? He's drunk, completely drunk, chazering, Every Taisus and Shas Balpeh. 
And then I understood there was a musag of getting drunk, Bikdusha. Some people, when they drink, they go lower. Those people should go to sleep. But some people, when they drink, they lose their das, meaning they attain a higher level of consciousness. And what is that higher level of consciousness? The higher level of consciousness is that everything is the Rabbanishalom. Ain't od malvado. There's nothing else other than Hashem. And with this in mind, we can understand what does it mean, Adlo yada bein arer haman lebarach mordechai. The truth of the matter is, from the perspective of the Rebbeinu Shalom, everything is one. And really, really, there's no difference between the greatest tzaddik in the world and the greatest Russia in the world. It's all the Eibishter. It's all Hashem. Einon Mavado. There's nothing else but Him. And on Purim, we have the capacity to get to that level where we see every single Jew, even the lowest level Jew, and we can see the righteousness inside of them. And we can't tell the difference between that Jew who's mamish so low and the biggest tzaddik in the world because we're looking at it from Nun Sharibina. We're looking at it from the perspective of the Rabban Islam, who looks at every single one of his beautiful children and he says, Ah, Taira Yidin. I love every single one of my Swedish children. And I think it's appropriate to finish. And we know that women have Bina Yaseira. So really, the men have to get drunk in order to reach this level of higher levels of Bina. We have to lose our Das in order to gain our Das. But by women, it's just the opposite. Women naturally have Bina Yaseira. And on Purim, women have supercharged Bina Yaseira. And so there's an unbelievable opportunity for women to use the time on Purim to daven, to say tilim, to give brachos, and to really be in a state of mind where they're moving beyond their das, going to the highest possible level, so that they could reach the ultimate fulfillment of their bina yaseira, which is the which is the fiftieth level of bina that Moshe Rabbeinu achieved, and that Mordechai, through the derech yam, through the way of fifty, brought into reality on Purim. What's the definite, like, what's the English Bina means hamaven davar mitoich davar. Bina means to be able to extract from one thing to learn to something else. So women are able to make very deep connections. They see very deeply into things. We know that that's a certain intuition, a psychological intuition that women have. Is it like intuition? Yeah, but it's but it's to be able to look at something and go, wait, I see something here that that you might be missing, right? And that bina yaseira is very profound on Purim. And women use that Bini Yaseira throughout history to save their families. There's many stories in the Holocaust of women that they had this extra sensory perception. They were able to make some sort of like mind-boggling connection. I saw this, I said to myself, we have to leave, even if it didn't make sense to the men, the men who followed their wives. We Nasari Menu had Bini Yaseira when he came to having to deal with Yishmael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that it's incumbent upon the men to follow the women. And so this Bini Yaseira, this extrasensory perception that they have to make this incredible connection, it's on steroids in Purim. That's the capacity to tap deeply into it.